Welcome, everyone, to the Sickos Committee Podcast. This is our podcast for the evening of April 18th, 2023. Today, I'll actually remember to introduce people because we do have a special guest. Usually, I forget to introduce folks. As usual, we have we have Kamish, we have Pit Girl, Joey, and we have special guest, a host of a little show called Wake Up College Football. And if you Google him, I believe you also had movies at Sundance. Ryan Nanny, congratulations. Uh, I, I'm sorry to say that there is another Ryan Nanny who... As probably who has like uh, I think he's a director. He has some like serious artistic aspirations, and I am sure my presence on Google is is <laughs> just so unpleasant for his for his work because it's not it's not far enough apart that it can be like, <laughs> oh, he's a podiatrist. That has nothing to do with me. And I'm sorry. Wherever he is, I'm sorry. And if you if you want me to change my name to something so you can have it, that's fine. You, you do uh, you do come up first on LinkedIn though, so congratulations. Hey, there's that. There's that. There you go. <laughs> the, impor- the important measures of success in this in the, in this world. Ryan Nanny, open to work. Yes. That's right. That's Ryan right. Nanny, that's right. Former Pac-12 commissioner. That's right. Endorse so, right. endorse me for useless skills and jibes and such. don't say that they will mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine that's all engagement is worthwhile <laughs> tonight folks we're going to talk about this wonderful weird thing of t- bit of time we've talked about before the time when the canadian football league decided to come into the u.s <laughs> this was well we'll talk a little more about it but i i have this vague recollection because this is i mean we're all of well sorry three of us are of the similar age <laughs> then there are the two children here but the three of us at the similar age, I have like vague recollections. I'm from South Texas. So I remember there being a football team in San Antonio and, oh, it's going to be this extra long field in the Alamo Dome and this amazing thing. The other thing I remember is that it fucked up marching bands because oh. they had marching band contests there. Hash, the hash is in the wrong spot. The field's too wide and the field's too long. Fucked up a lot of things at the Alamo Dome for that. But yes. That is a, that is something I hadn't even like remotely considered when it came to this when it came to this sort of thing in my too much research i did that didn't come up at all but that's why you're here jordan (laughs) they they always gives us the the band aspect of everything they literally had to put like it looked like looked like that fucking corf ball field uh, court with all the different like lines they had to put red white uh yellow tape on different hash marks because you follow the hash marks when you march and so literally you had to yeah it was awful that bad times at the Alamo Dome, let me tell you. <laughs> Not the worst thing that's ever happened in the Alamo Dome, but I'm going to say pretty close. <laughs> Let's start with a little of just general, how did Canadian football diverge? Joey, can you start us on that? Yes. So my big trolley uh, thing I like to say is when people bring up the Rutgers football game as the first football game. Trolley answer is say it was actually McGill in Montreal because, because Canadians like to take credit for everything American. because yeah. That's all we really have. <laughs> The first documented Canadian football game is but is between like two different University of Toronto frats in 1861, which is apparently a scoreless tie. It's not really said what happened. They just said there was a football game. Uh, the year a year later, though, in the, on the East Coast, a Scots Guard battalion and a Grenadiers Guard battalion play a game of football, and the score. Usually when you see a football game back then, like if something is written as football, it's it's association football, it's soccer. But the score is recorded as three goals and two rouges to nothing. Wait, I, okay, God, this sport was so stupid for so long. I don't know why we allowed it to keep <laughs> so going. It's stupid now. Yeah. 
This sounds I'm, like this sounds like a fucking spring game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's not clear what that scoring system actually meant. From what I can gather, though, it's closer to what became football than the Rutgers Princeton game because it's just basically rugby. It's not violent soccer. <laughs> the real divergence point, I will say, or maybe a convergence point before the divergence. Harvard football doesn't agree to the rule set that everyone else in the East has for football because they still like playing soccer with carrying. That feels like that feels very real. So they can't really schedule anyone. So they reach out to, they hear there's a football program at McGill in Montreal. They invite them to come down, not realizing that they're playing two different kinds of football. <laughs> uh, McGill was playing rugby, straight up rugby at this point. So they played two different games. One was Harvard's game and one was McGill's game, which is maybe slightly modified rugby, if anything. They played those two games and then Harvard took some inspiration from the McGill game, rugby. McGill took some inspiration from whatever the hell Harvard was doing. And that's sort of where we go into Canadian football in America. 1884 is when we have the first championship of the Dominion. The Toronto Football Club, same organization as the Argonauts. 1884, feet Montreal Football Club, not the same organization as the Alouettes. I'd say the Montreal team has been like re- redone like 40,000 times because of getting absolutely going into yeah, big groups they- repeatedly, repeatedly. They yes. keep running out of money. Mm. Yes, they do. This will come. This will, <laughs> this this will is, come up a few, uh, time. a few times. The score of that game is 30 to nothing. Touchdowns were with five at that time. Sure. Grey Cup officially starts in 1909. The cup itself is donated by Earl Grey, not the Earl Grey of the T. I was about to say, like, that's, ooh. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The Can Earl Grey, not, not a guy named Earl Grey. It is the Earl Grey. It is a title. So the Earl Grey, like the Ohio State University. Is it, is it the coolest trophy because Mounties get to bring it in? I think mm. that lends an air, doesn't it? I don't know. I, you know, having a Canadian on the here and you're talking about, is the, you know, the Grey Cup trophy better than the I Stanley Cup? I don't he's know. Gonna, he's going to say I mean, say he's going to be. <laughs> also, was... the trophy can't be cool if the cool thing is the people that bring it. Like, that yeah. means that the trophy isn't that cool. If it's like, <laughs> oh, we brought, like, fun fun horse dudes. <laughs> I, I will say, if, if the fun horse dudes brought in the NBA championship, I think that would also be cool. I, I agree that it would be Actually. cool. But I would say, like, wait. Does this mean the trophy's not good? And that they had to like gussy it up with the horse dudes pooping all over the court? <laughs> if the Mounties brought in the uh, trophy in like a, let's just say a Sacramento Kings final, sure. I think I would have questions. Why are the Mounties here? I am now I am shocked that Budweiser has not like convinced the NFL to be like, let, let the Clydesdales bring out the Lombardi <laughs> mm-hmm. trophy. Let let Roger Goodell <laughs> controlling a wagon of Clydesdales bring out bring out the Lombardi trophy and hand it to some 70-year-old asshole. I do find myself wondering if this is a matter of framing because we can all agree that the Stanley Cup is cool as hell, right? Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that is cool about the Stanley Cup is that there's the guy with the white gloves, mm-hmm. but it's about the trophy, not about the guy. So mm-hmm. if we frame it as Oh, the Grey Cup has Mounties because it's that important. They have to protect okay. it. Sure, that it makes it cool. Sure. The Stanley Cup white white gloves guy loses its luster when you realize that guy's name is Phil. <laughs> I've met him a couple times. He's very nice. <laughs> this Phil from New <laughs> Phil from Newfoundland. <laughs> Phil's is from he Halifax. He's a nice guy. Okay, <laughs> I am not. So the Grey Cup is donated in 1909, and you might, we mentioned the Stanley Cup. It's very similar. It is intended to be the championship for the amateur leagues. Uh, Stanley Cup was the same way. The University of Toronto wins the first one. They beat the Toronto Parkdale Canoe Club. <laughs> Sounds like they weren't focusing on football. It was okay. a very amateur trophy. It was literally just like, 
you wait, wait, whoever wait, wait, wanted wait. to play football. Did you say the? It says the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. They're still that, called that. They're still, they're still called the Varsity Blues. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I, th- I think that's where you, the name Varsity Blues comes from. It's just kind of taken from University of Toronto. Of course, a Canadian would say that. You have no fucking clue. I have no <laughs> clue. <laughs> this is Canadian bullshit here. Again, this is this is what we have. This is like Canadian culture is half things we things the British imposed on us, and half. Hey, that American thing you like? Yeah. <laughs> it evolved into Champion of the West versus Champion of the East. And it's still that to this day. And it would continue to be until, except for one season, which we'll get to later. And then the two leagues merge into the, the, the West League and the East League merge into the CFL in 1958. I'm always amazed when trophies are like this old or anything's this old. Because in this country, it's like, oh, we've given this trophy out for 40 years. It's an old trophy. And Canada is like, no, this thing's been around for a hundred years. It's the same trophy. We still give it out, and you could take it home too. Well, we have like, that you... in co- we have that in college, though. Like yes. traveling trophies in college are frequently that old. But and no they one look get... it. But no one gets like baptized in you know in the wooden wagon wheel. No one baptizes their kid on it. It Actually. would be difficult to baptize someone with the little brown chuck. I would hard, hard disagree. Fucking hard well, disagree. Well, I mean, you, you, could, could, you, could it, you like dump it over the kid's yeah. head. It's fine. Yeah. 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 The keg of nails. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, before we get into CFL in the USA, as far as what we know of it in the 90s, there was a couple exhibition games in the States. I think Calgary played a game in Iowa once just to see if there's any interest. <laughs> Missing no was the answer. <laughs> there's interest for enough for one game. And then they're like, yeah, we, we've tapped that well. 1909, uh, the New York Herald as a publicity stunt invite Hamilton and Ottawa to come play their weird game in Von Cortland Park. Apparently a sellout. So, but It was, it was 1909. People yeah, were, not like, not much else to do in New York, I imagine. People were going to like watch like two zero football games in fucking driving snowstorms. Okay, there wasn't a lot going on in 1909. We figured that out in our history lessons. <laughs> it's this or cholera. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you want to shit yourself to death or go watch Canadian football? <laughs> I there guess are some I'll, seasons I'll where the Ottawa team—that's a question. Sounds so, a yeah. lot like hockey, frankly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ottawa fans are braver than the Marines I'll, <laughs> in any sport. CFL teams played NFL teams in like preseason games every now and then. The NFL teams, or American teams, I should say, won every time, except for once. Hamilton beat Buffalo in 1961, 38 to 21. And that was the last time any American teams came to Canada to play. But they were like, all right, experiment's done. Did, wait, did they play Canadian roles? From what I can tell, that game, the one where the Canadian team won, yes. Other that's times why, why. they they either did it all Canadian rules or they split it half and half. Like first half would be Canadian rules, second half would be NFL rules. That's great. <laughs> Always on the Canadian field though. We need you more can't of exactly that. shorten the field. We need more of that shit. We're like, nope, halftime, rule change, spin the wheel. Okay, now <laughs> field goals are worth five. We're back to fucking nineteen oh four rules. No, we're in no, spring game rules. No forward pass no forward passes, flying wedge is fine. Just don't gouge someone's eyes too badly. <laughs> Just so, imagine how the coaches would handle that. Oh, it'd be great. Oh, I love awesome. it. Because because then you get to add a twelfth person on the uh, a thirteenth person on the field automatically, right? And so all of a sudden, all defensives just go out the window. Like, Derek, oh, there's Derek safeties out having there. nightmares right now. Oh yeah, just Will Muschamp just screaming, just screaming <laughs> from his heart. Hamish, why the all fuck right. did they come to the U.S.? We'll try to figure that out in just a little bit. So I just want to introduce the book that I actually read for this, which Ooh. you know. When somebody says, 
hey, uh, what's the last book you read? I'm going to say this, <laughs> End Zones and Border Wars. This is a book, I bought it from Amazon, which apparently they ripped off the sticker over here from Half Price Books. It's about the era of expansion and the, the era of American expansion in the CFL. As I started reading, something fell out of the book. Oh, it, it was fine. somebody's business card. Uh, <laughs> so, so I have a business card. Without without divulging their personal details, what yes. what uh, what industry is this person in? It, certified general accountant. Oh, okay. Yes. okay. He has a rather common name. So, okay. I mean, I think the last name, you know, Davis won't give too much information okay. away. Uh-huh. So he's a partner, apparently, Ooh. at this Ooh. at this firm. He lives in Vancouver, B.C., so, you know, on the book, you can see, like, the BC Lions there on the there front. So Do you feel like you BC got Lion a more fan. authentic used copy since a Canadian appears to have read it before you? I really do, because just the added bonus of the, the card kind of gives it some more authenticity to me. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a certificate of authenticity. Like, right. uh-huh. a, Canadian, a, Canadian... a Canadian stamped this for me. To read, like, hey, you yeah. American, I know you're interested in this stuff, but a Canadian approves of this. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is if like I ever... the used books version of a game worn jersey. Wow. Wow. No. You, have a, you have a Canadian red copy? Wow. Ooh, Those I are do. hard to find. Oh, yeah. By the way, it was autographed. So I... it's an autographed copy. It says by Best Ed... Wishes by the by Ed Wills. Okay. Uh, I, the writer. I, I briefly mis- misunderstood you and thought that the accountant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the um, quarterback getting sacked on the cover signed it. That would be yeah, something. maybe. Who knows? But, you know, it just says it's the guy. So, you know, he's a partner at an accounting firm in Vancouver. I'm sure there's a few of those. This isn't the name of the firm, though. Uh-oh. Uh, but... <laughs> well, Jordan, it could be a few. Uh-oh. I'll, you I'll throw some bleeps in there. We're fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. It's fine. Do some light editing. We're good. So we'll go from here. In 1987, all the way to 1987, so we, we, we jumped from 1958 to 1987, the Canadian Football League's TV deal expires. Carling Beer's $11 million sponsorship is not renewed. And none of the, as as Joey put it in all caps, football men running the CFL have any sort of marketing or financial skills. I didn't realize that Carling like sold in Canada. Carling was, um, I believe, a Canadian brand for a while. Okay, it, it might not have been the same Carling as you guys had. Like, it might have been a different. I don't, that like, happens sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I think of Carling as a like like shitty London beer. Not. <laughs> well, it, it would. It might have been like their subsidiary or something. Okay. So, I, I Googled Carling, which again, you know, this is a good podcasting. The Carling <laughs> Brewery was founded in 1840 in, in at London in Upper Canada, now Ontario. Oh, or, did I say it right? I'm sorry. How, what, what was that? Ontario? Ontario. 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 This, is Ontario. A, this is a Atari. running gag. You're trying where... to say Atari. Atari. <laughs> Atario, yes. Atario. Jordan, Jordan horribly mispronounced Mobile once, and, and we never let him live it down. So now, if anyone mispronounces anything... He will stop the podcast. I have to. It's Mobile, Alabama. It's fine. Oh, no, boy. it's not. Yeah, oh, boy. It's not. I'm from, not. I'm from Texas, so I should I should know. Yeah. Let Beth in. Oh, I'm sorry. Beth in. Hey, Beth. Howdy. <laughs> All right. We're just getting warmed up, so you're good to go. Go for it. I, right. I mean, I walked into mobile, so yeah, no. yeah it's it's your, your favorite topic. Yeah. <laughs> With the sudden loss of $11 million, Montreal folds immediately. <laughs> like, immediately, they're done. They don't have the money. Montreal folds team, done. Calgary is publicly losing tons of money. Publicly owned Saskatchewan needs to fundraise aggressively. To I stay. After I wrote this, I found out they 
did a telethon. Ooh. Yes, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders telethon. Do they have PBS? And is it like it would have been CBC? Different... CBC, okay, or right. whatever local Saskatchewan station they have. Whatever, just I can you know refer to the show Corner Gas, the Canadian Seinfeld, Winnipeg. The they're in millions of debt. Ottawa's American owner is broke, which he will show up soon enough. Toronto and Hamilton are mostly doing fine, but suffering due to attendance uh, because of the bills being so close to them. <laughs> the BC Lions, they changed ownership. They tried to add some celebrity partners. Their celebrity partners became minority owners. I don't know if you know these folks, but one is Mark Gastineau of oh. New York Jets fame. Uh, and the other one was the wife at the time, Brigitte Nielsen. Hanging out in Vancouver. S- Sylvester Stallone's wife at one point? Uh, Sil- right? Sylvester Stallone's ex-wife. Yeah. The, the blonde in Rocky IV. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, flavor of Love fame? Yes. Correct. A Flavor of yes. Love. Yes. Yeah. My God. Yes. That's All right. More? Thank you. More? That's right. She was the villain in, in Coming to America 2, uh, which, Ryan, you've really thrown me for a loop by changing sure. your avatar, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, on Twitter. Is she also in one of the uh, one of the lethal weapons, I want to say? Or maybe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A classic 80s movie star. Yeah. And then you have Mark Gastineau, formerly of the New York Sack Exchange for the New York Jets. That, mm-hmm. that fame in the 80s. Yes, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Great name. Can um, I just can the, I just say the idea that that the Bills were drawing away attendance from Toronto and Hamilton just makes me like that that right there is like oh no sorry we got to go across the border to go watch the Bills play that's what I want to go do with my weekend but yes those were, but those were those were the Bills teams to go see though oh right? okay. Bill. Jim Kelly Thurman Thomas Andre yeah. Reed that was yeah, the okay. like the peak Bills yeah for, yeah for those who don't know Hamilton and Buffalo might as well be in the same like metropolis like they are close. So you, this is all you're. This is all 1987. That this is happening. Yes. In in 1987 through 1990, before the expansion begins in 1992, 93. So that means this is happening right as the NFL is either playing or getting ready to play. It's very weird. Strike strike shortened replacement player punter wins MVP season. Yep. Yes. All right. Good. Just a normal so that, football year. The that's perfect. a good that's a good mindset for everything to fall apart for them and, and set them down this path to uh, the american expansion also by the way gasino tried to make a, a comeback with the bc lions and um they cut him four games into the season <laughs> so just while the, he was wait the, while he was owner yes while he was minority owner they cut him four games into the season so that was just a tidbit i, I read in the book i i just had to say it aloud canadians desperate for money where do they turn to America? Like also, usual. like usual, they need some American money here. Hey, Commission, can I borrow a couple bucks? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, everything you pay for there is a little bit more expensive. That's what it says on the back of the book, right? Uh, yeah. Canadian. No, just uh, it doesn't say it on this book. This is weird. This is a real authentic Canadian book. Printed in Canada. I like that. It's even better. They hired a new commis- uh, commissioner. Larry Smith was a former player in the CFL, and reportedly he was hired on the explicit understanding that he would pursue American expansion. Again, like a former player, now the leader of the, the CFL, trying to remedy all the financial issues, and basically he's got to expand to America to keep that going. The name of the chapter in this book is It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time. <laughs> That's beautiful. God, it's yes. 
The World League of Football just died in 1991. Whatever you know, like the World League, the you know Brian Fire, which are still alive in the year. That, that was League that was the weird one that was like half European, half US. Half European, right? yes, yeah, right. It became uh, NFL Europe after all the yes. American teams shut okay. down. That's brilliant. That was going to work. So that weird league died after like a year in America. So by the end of the expansion era. There was a minimum of 22 cities reported to have been considered for teams for expansion in in the U.S. So I can I can read them all here if you want me to, uh, or to we can do it a little I, bit later. I need to know. Tell me. All Tell right. Me. So here we go. So there was Albuquerque, sure. Anaheim, Hampton Roads, Wait. Hartford, Honolulu, <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi, sure. Jacksonville, Florida, always Louisville. Oakland, Orlando, oh, Miami, Milwaukee, Montreal. <laughs> this is not an American city. Montreal like, is an expansion because they lost the team again. They just okay, lost yeah. the team. Let's do an expansion team. Have we tried turning it off and back on again? <laughs> <laughs> Can you unplug Montreal and plug it back in, maybe with the Expos? Nashville, Ryan could have had a CFL team in Nashville. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what's this town's missing. Always says though. <laughs> You got the Predators now, so it's close enough. So, <laughs> Norfolk, Phoenix, Portland, Richmond, Virginia, St. Louis, St. Petersburg, Florida, oh, yeah. and San Jose. So these are most uh, so most obviously these are mostly teams that don't have an NFL franchise. Mostly, but not all. You said Miami. Miami definitely had a franchise at that point. Mm-hmm. St. Pete isn't Tampa, but it's really close. And the Bucks were in existence. I don't remember if the Cardinals had made it to Arizona yet. They I were either think... in St. Louis or Phoenix. So. Right. That's true. One, one yeah, yeah. Two, yeah. Yeah. They were in one of the two. Um, when did the Jags start existing? That would 95. have been 95. So right at the end. Um, yep. And the Raiders may have been in LA at this point. Not at that Oakland. point. No. Um, that'll come up a little bit later. Okay. All oh right. God. Okay. So I don't really. God. All right. That's all to say. Like, I get bits of this strategy, but not all of it. This strategy was again to try to move to markets that they did not want to compete with the NFL. So they wanted to move to markets that didn't have an NFL team, or maybe a market that could compete with uh, an existing NFL team. Which you know, the Miami Dolphins in that time frame would have been the high flying Dan Marino Dolphins. Um, hey. But like some other ones, eh, you know, oh, Pit Girl's <laughs> loving that one. So anytime you mention Dan Marino, she's she's got to chime in. So. If there's anything about Pit, we know it's that they ride hard for Dan Marino. Sorry, yeah, that is true. Along it's with Miami Heat for retiring Dan Marino's number. So yes, you could kind of consider San Antonio one of these cities, but it's kind of weird. And then the final one, the final one, eh, which was I guess the to bring the point home, London, England. Sure. <laughs> Always. Sure. When in doubt, we're sending the team to England. This, nothing's new. Everything's old. They always want to expand to London for some odd reason. I, I would just want to note the expansion franchise fee was $3 million. Throughout this time frame, nobody ever had the $3 million up front. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> That's all. This is, this is such like arena football league shit of like, oh, we've got the money. We've got it. Do you know what reminds me the most of is, uh, Ryan, you know, this the Tampa Bay Lightning's origin story. Oh, their original ownership? Yeah, which was maybe the Yakuza? (laughs) At at a minimum, (laughs) at a minimum, everyone agrees that 
whoever uh, whoever the actual owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning was, only two people on the Lightning staff ever met him. <laughs> and, and yeah, they were. Bill Esposito claimed to, but I don't believe him. I think he walked. I think he walked that back. I think Phil Esposito eventually said, "Like I met somebody, and I assumed it was him." But looking back on it, I don't think that was the man. I think I just met a Japanese man. I was like, well, he's buying dinner, so he must be the owner. Theory. It's Satoshi. Oh, God, yes. Holy shit. That makes sense why he went to Tampa now. Yeah, if you told me me Tampa was funded by crypto like a long time ago. And where was the Bitcoin bowl? That's right. It was. That's right. Oh, it's all together. It's right. There it is. Tied it all together. We're still trying to find that mascot costume. If man, if we can ever find that, I will buy that thing. <laughs> I, I would, I would like to say that in an attempt to get America excited for this, I'm not going to play the video. I'm going to cut some audio in later. But they had a video called "Longer, Wider, Faster." Longer, wider, faster. Canadian football. Catch it. No rubber. Okay. Sure. Longer, wider, faster was the way they introduced Canadian football to America. Yeah. yeah. I can I can see it. If Daft Punk was around in, in the nineties, they would have uh, definitely I, would have had the song. So Daft this Punk. is there was a thing I this is a super Florida thing I'm about to say. <laughs> there was a thing where when you were marketing like a a sort of off brand sport or a sport that people didn't know about, this is the kind of shit you did. And I know this because Highly, when Highly was making a push to try and like we're still here and and you'll you're gonna love us their tagline was the it's the fastest sport on earth like that was the thing and like there is some truth to that but like it's not the people who are being particularly fast it's the rock that they're throwing at one another off a wall (laughs) and it is fast but it's not like it's not the same thing as like going to uh, an f1 race or a nascar race or something being like holy shit these cars are going fast like you can't anyway I get why they went this because this was just sort of like the thing people did. I, I remember NHL like 2003-ish. Their thing was the coolest game on earth. And the answer would be, I guess, technically true. Yes, right. Yep. Technically yep. correct. I love Canadian football because it reminds, I speak a little German. I lived in Germany for a bit. Then I went to the Netherlands and I heard people speaking in Dutch. And I was like, I should be able to understand this, but it sounds like fucking gibberish. I don't understand this. Watching Canadian football feels that way to me a lot of times because you look at it and you're like, okay, the field is super long, super wide. The end zones are 20 yards deep. That looks awesome. And you're just looking at it going, I guess that's okay. Like this, no one says this shouldn't be allowed. But that's the best thing I love are all basically the goal line fades, right? Because the fade is a great play. When you got 20 yards in the end zone to throw that fade, it becomes a money play like that's that's way better david shaw bc lions head coach yes and that and that of course they had the fucking goalpost at the front so yep. throwing things over the goalpost or around the goalpost is part of the fun i, I was watching some highlights earlier today and i i forgot this happened saskatchewan lost the game once they it was like uh two seconds left they had the ball on the 10 and a wide open shot to the end zone they're down by four and the quarterback just clanged it off the uprights, and they lost. A losing doink. Congratulations. Ultra it's, doink. It takes the doink to another level. So when we get one of those, we, we really enjoy those. When we get like a pass thrown off off the uprights. Also, it's, it's, also it's better have, than a field goal. They also have the crazy like, like punt rule, like the, the crazy kicking rules where like you can pick it up and just kick it whenever. Like, hey, it's vibes only. Kick okay. it whenever. I, let's go through the list. Here, here's a quick 
fastest 30 seconds. I won't, I'll probably take longer than 30 seconds. CFL versus NFL <laughs> difference. Canadian field of play, 110 yards by 65 yards compared to 100 by 53 and a third. Canadian zones are 20 yards deep. Sometimes, and this is crucial, Canadian Canadian fields can have ground rules. So you can have a Pentagon end zone if you have a running track. Does that come up? I love love, it. Saskatchewan, it's one of those because they have a fucking track. And they have those, like, it looks like paper from Battlestar Galactica with the cut edges, and I love it. (laughs) Fucking love it. A lot of American fields don't fit the Canadian field perfectly. Goalpost in the front of the end zone, as we mentioned. Three downs versus four downs. 12 players on the field versus 11 players on the field. And Kamesh, you wrote this. We love the Rouge. We don't need well, to explain God, that. Dear God, I do not want to go into rules of the Rouge. That will take us the next 30 minutes. Good we'll, we'll talk about We'll talk about it Vegas-wise uh, in just a brief moment, but we, we love the Rouge. The simple I, way I explain it to Americans is touchbacks cost a point. I love hearing about American football player, American quarterbacks going to Canada and having to account for a 12th player on defense and it taking them so long because they're used to checking down for safeties and there's just another safety out there ready to fuck your day up. And have, hearing them tell those stories of how long it took them to learn to recount is, oh, so good. So we are in 1993 now. Larry Smith is hired. He's a former first first overall pick in the CFL. Basically, everyone knows he's hired not to be a traditional commission, but you will get American expansion done. CFL, they're thinking about doing it. They get... Two good applications from WLAF teams that that fold because the league folds, but these two teams are still around. So the Sacramento Surge, the San Antonio Riders. Can't call them the Riders because there's already two teams called the Riders already. They renamed the Texans, Sacramento, in order to just have a fresh start, renamed the Gold Miners. I found, actually, I was watching a documentary CBC put out recently on USA Expansion. They put out a schedule including a Portland team. But I can't find any information on the Portland team in my in my research. So so they that... so I, I I will say that I, I they had an exhibition game in Portland. Portland wasn't interested. They they were just like we, we don't want this. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's all it was. Portland was like no thanks, thanks but no thanks. They had an exhibition game there. Thanks but no thanks. Portland was out. Which after is the hilarious. Game. Like I said, CBC did the documentary. They showed the planned schedule, and yeah. it had. Portland in it. It also had San Antonio in a central division with Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary. Hell of a that's travel day. That's center. But like, okay, yes, that is center in like, oh god. This way. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine. I can't imagine that drive. How, how we're gonna roughly do this is we're gonna go team by team, year by year, mostly focusing on teams' first years. San Antonio Texans. How'd their first year go? They died immediately, never played a snap. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they folded about three hours after their introductory press conference. <laughs> is that is that the short, that may be the shortest. So what happened is that basically the CFL leaked the schedule saying that the first game of the year is going to be San Antonio versus Ottawa, which would have been great if it was Riders versus Riders. Now, yeah. I, I really, uh, you know, the owner was going to be Larry Benson, who is the brother of Tom Benson, uh, rest in peace, the former New Orleans Saints owner. Larry Branson said he had 600K of the 3 million ready to put down and he had corporate sponsors in San Antonio. I'm gonna guess that was all lies. Larry, Larry stop buying a 30 year mortgage on a house. <laughs> hey, it worked that out fine for Dan Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently that was good enough for the CFL to go with it and they wanted to go through it. Basically, the owner, Larry, called Larry, Larry Smith, you know, Larry Benson called Larry Smith, right? before the big press conference reveal of the expansion 
and said, hey, we can't do it. We, we have some ownership issues. And basically they pull out an hour before the full press conference. So they already basically leaked the schedule with San Antonio on it, but they pull out before the giant press conference. Apparently what happened is Tom and Jerome Benson, which apparently was another Benson brother. I had no idea. Wait, Benson? Jesus Christ. I had no idea. So Jerome Benson, who is new to me, fought Larry over ownership and management. What Larry Smith, the commissioner, stated at the press conference, just basically in the like an hour before his press conference. Yeah, we, we're just freezing that. We're, we're going to freeze this franchise for a bit. They're they're, they're just not ready. Wait, so. I don't. I haven't. I haven't watched the session. Is this what succession is? Can you can you imagine if this had happened when Twitter existed? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, just wait, would have been. Wait, wait, there's more and think about that in that aspect later about yes, Twitter. <laughs> this is not the craziest ownership. This is not the craziest part yet. Let's get some stability here because we're going to need it. Uh the Sacramento Gold Miners. They actually played out the season in Sacramento, the only American team. Hell of a travel schedule, but they were able to handle it. Uh they were owned by Sacramento-based lumber magnate Fred Anderson. Like you do. They were just the Sacramento Surge. They brought in a lot of the same players. The CFL ostensibly had a rule where you had to have basically half Canadian players. Yeah. But because of American labor laws, they just couldn't do that. <laughs> so instead of just going open season, they said, okay, I guess only Sacramento is exempt from this rule. You'd think that would go well. One problem, and this is going to become a theme. They just hired NFL, USFL, and WLAF coaches and a couple NCAA coaches. And their thought was, okay, well, three downs. We'll just pretend it's second and ten. You can't really do that. That's not really how it works. They did have one notable player, and I'll throw this over to the commission because I know he's excited to talk about it. Oh, yeah, of course. The the surge in the World League, uh, they won the World Bowl in 1992. They're the only American team to actually win a World Bowl in the World League. Because it only lasted one year. On the championship team, where future was the future professional wrestler Bill Goldberg. So like, Goldberg, he, he would go on to play, I believe, two games in the CFL. He played okay. two games in the CFL before injury. So Goldberg basically played in the CFL, and we have a Goldberg jersey in in the dock. Um, <laughs> you can see he was number seventy six. I'll, I'll tweet that out later. That's great. It's, it's some fun stuff there. This, um, get one on, like, can you get evidence. one on eBay? Hold up, hold up. eBay, <laughs> eBay like has the been... The only evidence I could find of Bill Goldberg playing in the CFL is that Sacramento Gold Miners jersey, which looks like it is taken on a badly lit rug in some dude's house. So, I can get probably... a, I can I can get a Mighty Ducks Goldberg jersey, but I feel like that's not that's not what I want. Uh, different Goldberg. This is a sad hotel rug. I will wager good money on that. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is divorcee hotel rug it's mm-hmm. that or it's rental apartment rug and yes. i say that because the the rug that i am sitting adjacent to looks very much like that one. <laughs> listen only the finest berber for Bill Goldberg. i will say that that ebay is a gold mine like for like old merch but it's super expensive so you can type in like sacramento gold miners merch and you can get like a hat for like i think it's like 50 bucks there's some other stuff for like eighty dollars. It's incredible. Yeah, it's insane. To be fair, they don't make them anymore. Yeah, they don't. I can get a gold miner's longer, wider, faster shirt for fifty dollars. Okay, you know what? I'm just. If we all want one, I'm just gonna fuck. I, I I'm good enough in Photoshop. We can make this work, guys. <laughs> 
I'm excited, sue you? I'm excited to find out which random Benson finds you and sues you. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, it's <laughs> super. I don't know if they're alive anymore. Who knows? Danny Benson. Yeah. Danny no, Benson. The family goes down for copyright infringement on the American C- on one of the American <laughs> CFL teams. God, we need. It's, it's not 1993 enough. I will puffy paint you a shirt. Ooh, Ooh that is good. Yes, that is good. Ooh, puffy paint. Airbrush it. Yeah. Even better That's if right. it's as a birthday party activity. Absolutely. <laughs> So the gold miners go six and 12, nowhere near the playoffs in the West. So we move on to 1994. Sacramento, it's a huge success off the field. They did fine. They mostly filled up Hornet Stadium, which is not a huge stadium, but I mean, it's the CFL in Sacramento. It went great, all things considered. Wait, the Sacramento State Hornet Stadium? That's a tiny yes. ass stadium. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, where else? Where else in Sacramento are you going to put it? I, exactly. I, they, I read they thought about putting the, put, playing at the uh, UC Davis Stadium. And also the uh, high school track and field stadium, which is apparently comparable to Hornet Stadium and facilities. This is just all part of the grand California tradition of professional football. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of, let's move on to 1994. One notable thing that happens is before this, the Toronto Argonauts are owned by what the media calls the triumvirate. It is Wayne Gretzky, who is basically just there for star power. He doesn't actually have a ton of money. Bruce McNall who is a big deal in hockey. He was a huge guy in hockey management. He's the guy who got Gretzky to Los Angeles. That's right. And John Candy was the the sole, the drive behind that group. He would go travel with the team to Argos games to just try and drum up support in like these cities. And this is John Candy at like the peak of his stardom. So he'd go to like Shreveport or whatever when they had a team and just be like, hey, I'm here. I will be at the game. Please come to the game. So, uh, so truly, truly the rock of the 18. Yeah. So John Candy was the rock of the CFL in the USA. This was never public, but I got this from the CBC show Unknown History. Apparently, John Candy was head of the CFL's expansion committee until, like, all the way up until his death. Unfortunately, that is right now because John Candy passes away, and basically within the same month, Bruce McNall goes to prison on fraud charges. Like you do. And I think. You remember me saying Wayne Gretzky did, was not the money guy in this situation. So you could use some more money here, folks. And you know what gets money? Expansion checks and ESPN, who are interested if you get more American teams. Let's go. We've got Orlando, Las Vegas, Baltimore, and Shreveport, four cities of equal importance. <laughs> Kamish, walk us through the Orlando franchise. There, as, as I read previously, there's 22 other cities. There were, there were more that were ready. But the CFL decided to go with Orlando. Orlando, they want to join the league. They're going to play at the Citrus Bowl. There's an ownership group supposedly partnered with Wayne Huizenga, formerly of the Miami Dolphins and blockbuster video fame. So definitely when you get that going, you know this is totally 90s, right? And they wanted to play at the Citrus Bowl. Press conference is announced. Larry Smith, the commissioner of the CFL, is there the press conference? It's set to take place at an Orlando Hooters restaurant. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so you, they, you they think play. at that Hooters they have like a little plaque in the ground commemorating this moment. <laughs> this is where Larry Smith got owned. I think most Hooters are designed so that you don't remember past things that happened at the Hooters. <laughs> Like, I think that's not the point of going to Hooters is to be like, ah, remember when? It's like, oh, no. yes. we're here to live in the now, baby. I'm starting to worry about the amount of times that everything in this podcast comes back to restaurants. That's <laughs> <laughs> a little concerning. What was the stats post we got about our podcast the other day, Kamish? Yeah, we're, we're, we're point 
0.07% more female audience friendly, apparently. There we go. Uh, so that I don't know if that's accurate. That that goes out the window as soon as we talk about that, I guess. Um, <laughs> the press conference is set up. There's a microphone and nobody shows up. Nobody. Just completely nobody shows. Supposedly in the book, it stated that a janitor came and, you know, this feels like way too like movie like. Uh, I, I don't I don't think anybody's coming. <laughs> supposedly uh, a hooters janitor basically <laughs> just that image the hooters janitor is like I, I don't i don't think anybody's coming to the press conference so orlando dead on arrival does not happen what larry smith's excuse and spin is after this that orlando could not find a stadium to hold the dimensions of the cfl field Later, you'll learn. I, I would ask that first, guys. That would yeah. probably be one of my top two questions. <laughs> later, later, you'll learn it's a lot of bullshit. I was just going <laughs> to say that. When in doubt, Larry Smith's card was to be like, hey, uh, they don't have a field that can match our dimensions. But you'll see a little bit later on, they probably didn't really care too much about that at all. I, I saw um, an interview with the CBC sports guy, Scott Oak, recently, who's he, he's He's been with CBC Sports since like the 80s. And he's when asked about this, he said, I don't think CFL USA was doomed. I think Larry Smith just really liked to lie. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Exactly. I like... I, 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 ironically, I was going to say, like, oh, that's what you want as your, as your CEO. But actually, that's probably what you want as your CEO, like for real. Like, I'm not, there is no irony there. I, I don't know. I feel Larry's put in a bad position. Like, he's never been, like, a businessman. Now he is, but it was kind of like a baptism by fire. He needs yeah. to stop having press. He's So far, you've talked about two press conferences, and they both end with a franchise not existing. <laughs> so they need to stop having fucking fr- press conferences. Larry oh, Smith, I think his here. main problem is, is genuinely the reason he's remembered so badly by CFL fans. It, it's, it's partially because of this, but also the fact that he had no PR skills. The man was a football player. He he was a quarterback, I believe. And so he responded to any sort of question from the media with hostility. There's a famous interview of him that completely like any optimism Canadians had for this project was dead. When someone asked him, because there were some conspiracy theories that the CFL would no longer be a Canadian league. They were just going to move every team to the U.S. So an, an easiest softball question all the time. A reporter asked him, will the game stay Canadian? And his answer is, we're the CFL. And the reporter says, does the C stand for Canadian? And he says, CFL. It's our brand, CFL. Canadian or continental? CFL. Absolutely whiffing on people. Out of the park, buddy. You mean to tell me that the man who tried to have a press conference announcing a new franchise at a Hooters is not good at PR? (laughs) I'm I'm trying to find which which Orlando Hooters it was. And typing in Orlando's Hooters just gives me way too many options. You're, like, you're, like ruin, you're ruining your algorithm right now. Oh, it's just done. So- <laughs> oh, yeah. You've seen our Twitter account, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's is- not going to help. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's fine. We're all already on is it? List. Is it the it's one fine. by the airport? Is it the one by or- University Stu- Universal Studios? Is I'm it the one- say, I mean, it, who knows? It did not specify. It did not specify. Orlando, forget that. Let's just go... Hey, Canada, it's north, right? Let's go that way. Uh, Shreveport, 
Shreveport, Metropolis, just as good as Orlando. Shout out Bunky but, Perkins, by the way. Yeah, definitely shout out Bunky Perkins. But before we get to Shreveport real quick, at near the end of the season, Hornet Stadium is falling apart. The Gold Miners announced relocation will be imminent. They're planning on moving to the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, but for the but for the first of what will be two times, the NFL spoils the CFL plans when the Raiders move back to Oakland. So 1994, the NFL blocks the CFL. They're going to spend the offseason looking for a new home. Was Moving the possum on, still there at that time? I don't I don't know. Like the possum in the, the press box could have been a little baby possum. Possum just, just was, possum was just fucking Sacramento gear being like, I was super excited. Fucking yeah, cut I, me I mean, out. The Sacramento Gold Miners playing in Oakland Coliseum with a baseball diamond. It's, it's almost like a dream for the Sickos Committee come true. Like, I mean, it's just been amazing. I can tell that you the, happened. the perfect Sickos Committee field happened uh, in the early 2000s in the CFL. When the, Ar- when the Argonauts were still playing at the Rogers Center, the, then the Sky Dome. And the Blue Jays had that infield that wasn't a full infield. Oh, and they God. played on that. Oh, that so, had to hurt. Well, you just had these I mean, little individual bits in, on the field. Let's go to Shreveport. We're on the Shreveport. Bill Belichick voice. Uh, the Shreveport Pirates, again, shout out Bunky Perkins. It's not really an expansion team, but the Ottawa Rough Riders, an extremely, uh, after an extremely meddling owner, Bernie Gleiberman, was run out of town. <laughs> he was run out of Ottawa, so let's flee to Shreveport. What, the, what, does, it uh, take to, what does it take to get run out of Ottawa? Uh, th- this man. This man. Okay. We this, will come back man. to him. We will come back to him. He's, he's going to show back up again. He took the front office and roster with him to Shreveport. So basically, he fled Ottawa, and new ownership took over the Rough Riders. Now the Shreveport Pirates existed. Absolutely dreadful first year for the Shreveport Pirates. They finished 3-15, and 15, but only one game out of the playoffs. <laughs> the CFL East is always – they're still like this to this day. Every it, year, this, like, in week 19, TSN will be like, Hamilton, Toronto, winner makes the playoffs. Then you check, and they're like both 4-15. and 15. <laughs> Wait, is this the ACC Coastal? It is. It is the Canadian version of the ACC Coastal. Yes. But this is. is the ACC Coastal if we were like, the ACC Coastal definitely gets a playoff spot every year. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite year ever in, in the CFL when this sort of thing happened is the, they had to bring in a rule. The CFL East was so bad. They had to bring in a rule called the crossover rule, where if the four seed, because top three in each division now make playoffs, if the four seed in the West is better than the three seed in the East, they just take their spot. My favorite year of this was when the one seed in the East, Montreal, were I believe nine and nine, and the four seed Winnipeg Blue Bombers from the West were 11 and whatever. Yeah, really, the, the outcome of the CFL and Shreveport probably would have worked if it was not owned by, by anyone but Bernie Gleiberman. Uh, apparently, uh, Joey, you called him the world's most sued man. Yes. Uh, on the team? Okay. I mean, that's 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 high praise. Shreveport was thrilled for this franchise. They were, like, just hype. They maintained and upgraded the independent stadium, and then they matched the established Canadian teams in, like, attendance levels. So, like, Shreveport was very fired up. The team itself and how it was run, quote-unquote, an absolute circus. General Manager J.I. Albrecht hired John Heward as a head coach, but before... But the the owner the owners the Gleibermans overruled him and installed Force Greg as coach before the team took its first snap. Also, they could not find a college campus for a training camp, so training camp was in a giant barn on the Louisiana State Fairgrounds. 
cool. They stayed basically a floor above the circus, the traveling circus. There was no air conditioning. They slept in bunk beds, about 12 to 16 people per room, with the circus animals literally one floor below them. Monkeys, lions, and tigers. There were reports of monkeys throwing feces at players daily when they went to go to practice. Also, every Tough single meal, every single meal was at Western Sizzlin'. And how many weeks in did they all get Legionnaire's disease? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Western Sizzling was Golden Corral before Golden Corral. Whatever the building what, really looks like a Golden Corral. Whatever foodborne illness they got from Western Sizzling was canceled out by whatever feces-borne illness they got from <laughs> the monkeys. So it didn't it didn't affect them. They got Mr. Bo- Mr. Burns syndrome. It's all stuck at the door. <laughs> uh, Western Sizzling still exists, by the way, guys. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes. Uh, Part of a family of restaurants that includes a great American buffet and Quincy's family steakhouse. America sure. has so many brands. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy. It, things go sour with the owners, the Gliebermans. They try to relocate the team to Norfolk, Virginia. However, officials there broke off talks after learning that Gleiberman faced several lawsuits in Shreveport. So Shreveport <laughs> was suing the crap out of, out of the Gleibermans. Notable about the attempted move to Virginia was something called the Great Tucker Caper, when the city of Shreveport tried to seize Bernie, Bernie Gleiberman's 1984 Tucker. 1948. Which, 1948, sorry. 1948, that makes it even better, which was on loan to the Classic Automobile Museum in downtown Shreveport. They tried to seize it because he was defaulting on de- debts related to the Pirates' lease at Independence Stadium, including payments for the scoreboard. Louisiana is uh, hell. Holy shit. Okay, that gets even better. Gleiberman's lawyer, Mark Gilliam, tried to escape with the car and hide the vintage auto, but he ran out of gas along the way. The police spotted him and took the car back to the museum where it was being stored until the case could be settled. Shreveport sued Gleiberman and won $1 million along with $375,000 in interest. So yes, the CFL in USA involved a attempted car heist and it was one of the more boring bits of the story. I, I, I want to know what a 1984 Tucker looks like. I don't know what it looks like. So, Shreveport, the town, like the city, actually kind of a success for CFL. They already kind of stroke. They already kind of knew it was going to be trouble with the Gleibermans. That's the whole being run out of Ottawa thing. But hey, Shreveport looks like it could be something because the fans there are are responding well. So let's move to a bigger city, right? We're we got momentum. Let's go to Las Vegas because alternative leagues can't resist Las Vegas. I'm just I'm just so happy they played it in Sam Boyd Stadium. And not wherever the fuck they put that XFL team with <laughs> Cashman. Not a Cashman, no. A real football stadium. Unfortunately, very far away from everything, which has been the problem with Sam Boyd Stadium in the past. Ron Mayer is the head coach, or is it Meyer? Ron Meyer. Ron Meyer. <laughs> Let me just get Jordan, you got food in your mouth. Let me do it for you. What was that? Uh, <laughs> of the Pony Express, of UNLV, of the New England Patriots briefly. Kamish, do you want to describe the practice field? I'll give you this. So the practice field, absolutely insane. The owner of the Las Vegas franchise is associated with the Riviera Casino. So, of course, you know, a casino person being associated with the CFL, it's actually going to go well. The practice field here that they built for them was absolutely insane. Uh, They built it in the parking lot of the Riviera Casino with truckloads of sand and sod hauled in. The field itself was only 70 yards long where a sign read, Field of Impossible Dreams. <laughs> Boo. I, nope. This, this is so... It's like mixing... Uh, 
it's like that's a baseball reference and what are yeah there's a lot there's a that's that i feel like there were two ideas there and they were like fuck it let's just use both of them there were positives about see if in las vegas all in all like spoiler alert it didn't go great <laughs> no shit. No shit. No, no shit. shit. And they're but, still going today. And nobody yeah, knows. That's why we all know about the Las Vegas posse. <laughs> but hey, there were some positives. One, they introduced the future possible GOAT of Canadian football, Anthony Calvillo, to the sport. So that's positive one. So moving on. Uh... <laughs> Just basically, it was the lowest CFL attendance since the 1950s. Basically, only 2,400 show up. Uh, to their final game against Winnipeg, uh, the Vegas owner promised thirty-one thousand a game, which, <laughs> as we mentioned, the stadium was twenty miles from the Vegas Strip, and and since you know the CFL starts playing in July, it was a hundred and ten degree weather. They were literally hosing down fans in the stands because it was so hot. Also, head coach Ron Meyer was seen at many practices running drills with no shirt on <laughs> in yeah. the sweltering heat. Dude, rock. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to say my favorite thing about Las Vegas Posse because I remember this moment uh, when they played Saskatchewan. Whoever they had singing the national anthem, it was a local casino singer. It was and, Dennis yeah. Casey Parks. Yeah, and he uh, didn't know it, so he sang to it this to day, he sang it to Oh Christmas Tree. To this day, <laughs> every every day, every Canada Day, TSN plays that. Oh God! Uh, I'll, I'll splice it in here. Oh Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love, in all thy sons command. That was. This was like this is this is my favorite thing ever because. He's so clearly he, and you'll hear it when when you guys put it in. You can hear that he like kind of has it to start, and then immediately loses it, and immediately it's just he's off over here doing his own thing. And if you go through like newspaper archives around this, this was a big deal. Like yeah. public officials in Canada were pissed about this. This, yep. this was like highly dis. And look, I get it. If you um. You know, if during the NBA Finals, when the Raptors played the Warriors, if they if they sang the national anthem, uh, the U.S. national anthem, and you were like, I'm pretty sure he did all that to the tune of Hot and Her. I, <laughs> like, yeah, people would be pissed. Uh, there is one. So I only found this out recently because this is not a part of the story that's told a lot. But CFL officials trying to, like, not get this poor man killed invited him to hamilton the next week to do it again and he he did a fine job as far as anthem singers go and then scott oak who i mentioned earlier gets on the sideline interviews him you finally see dennis casey parks in hd for the first time and his eyes are like this like (laughs) it's clear he has had some enhancements to get through this hamilton experience and uh then the pa plays i feel good and then he points behind him and goes it's what they're saying. I feel good. I didn't know I would. But I feel good. Las Vegas. Canada. Oh, Canada. Right. I'm, oh. I'm going to finish out Vegas here. The players were allowed to eat all they wanted at the River Area Buffet, but the one stipulation is that they had to take off their cleats. And that's I'm a just good imagining buffet. players. Back in the day, that was a good buffet, too. That would have been like crab legs and lobster and yeah. steak. Like, this was... So, I mean, they, was probably good. they technically could have had their shoulder pads on and jersey on 
As long as they didn't have cleats, they could have been eating at the buffet. This might be nicer than what Arizona Cardinals players eat now, frankly. So <laughs> The Vegas offensive coordinator got married at the Vegas Chapel. Allegedly, the head coach was there, and he never took his sunglasses off at the ceremony. Flag. So, that, perfect. Ron Meyer, legend. The Vegas bookies had trouble understanding the rouge. I don't, I don't know if anybody wants to read this in like a Vegas wise guy voice. If, if you see it in the doc, I, I, I can. I would offend people if I tried. I okay. would give it a shot. Give so it a shot. Let, me, let me get this straight. You miss a field goal, you still get a point. What the fuck kind of game is that? <laughs> it's a cool, a from beautiful the board, game. By the, way. the owners try to kill the, the team with two games left, but the CFL does not allow you to fold. They will not allow you to fold. You're going to have to finish out the season. They moved their last home game to Edmonton. Hey, you have to carry your team to term, okay? You can't end it early. <laughs> some, some some Edmonton's fans were already in Vegas, and they couldn't get home in time. There was actually a hotel that sponsored them to actually be able to watch the game. They tried to become the Miami Manatees, but the move failed, and then the team had to dissolve due to heavy losses. We've had so many close attempts at getting a Miami Manatees. Come on, guys. The Manatees are just the mascot we all need. There's a logo, and we've never been able to use it. I, I, I want to use it. Friends, we need some good news. And do you know where I like to go when I need good news? Maryland. <laughs> Baltimore, baby. That's right. I have opened each segment by saying the name of the team. This is logistically tricky here. They had several names through their two years of existence. What they are... What, I will announce what they played their first game as, which is the Baltimore CFLers. Uh, <laughs> so the name of the the name of the chapter in this book is called A Horse With No Name. So you can cue the music by the British band America about a CFL team playing in the United States. So they wanted to be called the Baltimore CFL Colts. It is 1994. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> the NFL tactical strike. Gets an injunction banning the name of the team. And according to CBC broadcast, four hours before the game starts. I keep bringing up Scott Oak. There's a lot of people involved in, in CFL and CBC, but Scott Oak was great for quotes at the time. He says, well, we have just received an injunction that we are not allowed to refer to the team as spirited young horses of any kind, but apologi- apologies if we mess up on, on occasion. Spirited young horses sounds like an all-male nude review. <laughs> are we in Vegas again? I thought we just left. The CFL refers to them as Baltimore FC. CBC calls them the Baltimore CFLers. So that's what most people refer to them as at the time. The announcer does something fun where he goes, first down for the Baltimore. Then the crowd yells, Colts. And then he waits like a full two seconds and goes, football club. They are the biggest success story of CFL USA. On the field especially. Because they actually hire CFL coaches. They don't just hire NFL and NCAA coaches. Imagine that. And they went 12 and 6. In their first season, they made the Grey Cup Finals. They fall to the BC Lions, and there's a show up here, still airs on CBC, called This Hour is 22 Minutes. It's sort of like a weekend update-style show. And they dedicate the last, basically, third of the show to just saluting the camera, honoring the BC Lions for not losing the Grey Cup to the Dastardly Americans. This, <laughs> that the CFL did not take the, the correct lesson here. The fact, like, this worked in Baltimore because... Baltimore was so pissed about having their franchise taken from them in the middle of the night. Like that still, that still stung that city so badly and that the CFL has not seen this and figured out, Oh, we should, every time an NFL franchise moves, that's what we should like when the Rams left St. Louis, the CFL should have been in there the next day and said, we will bring you football. 
when the Raiders left Oakland for Las Vegas, they should have done the same thing. When the uh, when the Oilers left to come to Tennessee, like the oh, opportunity is there. <laughs> We'll get to Houston in a little good, bit. Good. Baltimore did a great like wrestling thing for their first game. They backed a moving truck onto the field, <laughs> and the fans boo. That's so good. That's almost as good as the XFL St. Louis Battle Hawks April Fool's joke, where they were like, "Hey, oh, we're no. moving. Hey, we're moving to LA," don't and all the that. fans were just like, "Don't fucking do this to us. It's too soon. <laughs> don't hurt us soon. like this. God damn don't it, guys." Do that. But like the Battle Hawks are supremely successful, right? For that like, very reason. Yes. yes. Because like this, I uh, CFL was right there. This could have been you. You could have like slowly seeded a bunch of successful North uh, U.S. franchises, but instead we're going to learn more about the dumb shit you did. Yeah. The Let's wise, do that. Yeah. Like the wise man built his house upon spite. Let's go into the 1995 off season. Las Vegas is in sort of a legal limbo here. The team is still technically owned by the corporation that owns the posse, but the league has taken over relocation. They find a new owner uh, who's willing to pay the old Las Vegas owners out of Milwaukee, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks ownership group, basically. Okay. And there's they, it leaks the press that they're planning on using the Brewers Stadium, basically, because the Packers were playing there and then they stopped playing there at this time. They forgot to ask the Brewers first and the Brewers said no. And they couldn't find anywhere else to play. So that's dead. Then they announce, we're going to Jackson, Mississippi. They've got an owner and everything. They've announced this. The CFL is, they've vetted them. They're happy with the Jackson group. Then Las Vegas, the guys who still own the Las Vegas team, suddenly jack up the price. And, okay, Jackson pulls out. Miami, the manatees are back, but they're not going to be ready till 96. So they put the team on freeze with the old San Antonio Texans. Manatees uh, denied. After the gold miners tried to move to Oakland and that was canceled, they decide to do some necromancy and uh, become the San Antonio Texans, their former yes. brother's womb, and they just take over their old branding. Two more expansion teams were added to replace Vegas, uh, Memphis and Birmingham. And to help with travel, the CFL also does, the for the first time since the 50s, the Great Cup is not going to be East versus West. It's going to be North versus South. Shreveport's attendance starts to go down because of Bernie Gleiberman being the owner. Shall we go to Birmingham? So yes. So this is where like my real memory of this whole thing picks up because this is when San Antonio got a team and this is like during that step. Birmingham, the brand Bir- new Alamo Dome. Right. Like we, yeah. if, if they build it, they will come. That's they right. built That's the, the Alamo whole thing. Dome and it's there. That was the whole but, thing about the Alamo Dome. Like, if we build a stadium, we will get a team in that stadium because we have a stadium. Almost had the Saints, man. We're so almost. close. Almost had the Saints. Almost had don't, the Bills a couple of times. Too. Almost had dare. the Bills a couple. Yeah, yeah. Don't you dare try to steal states. That's not cool. Uh, so Birmingham Barracudas. Where do they play, Kamish? The the glorious Legion Field. I swear to God, every time we do anything in this podcast about the history of things. Things always end up at Legion Field and people talking about how shit it was going back to the 1920s being like, oh, yeah, it was just built. It's a shithole. That's all oh roads God. lead to Legion Field. All roads lead to Legion Field. That's right. Even though they have UAB has a nice new stadium, I, I believe Legion Field is still there it and it, it's never going to die. So Legion Field, we salute it's you. Historical landmark. They can't it tear it down, I think. Don't tear it down. It's kind of like the Astrodome. Don't tear it down. So Birmingham's owned by insurance salesman art williams and when asked 
what he why he named the team the Barracudas, he said it was this literally the scariest thing he could think of. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to disrespect this man, but I am confident <laughs> that he was thinking of piranhas and just came up with the wrong name. I am confident he was like, you know, those little fish that can eat a cow, a barracuda. And everybody was like, yeah, okay, sure. And does he know it's a piranha? Just shut up, man. It's the barracudas. He was probably about to say piranhas, and he's like, oh, God, I'm going to have to spell that. I can't spell that. That's right. (laughs) Do you say the H? God damn it. This is going to be stupid. Remember how I was talking about how the other teams in America, they didn't do great on the field because they hired a bunch of American football coaches for Canadian football game. They hired Jack Party. Former Bears, former Houston Cougars coach. They said it was based on his experience in six-man football. Yes. Fucking love six-man football. Jack, Jack Pardee is is a Texas legend. 140, 110. I'm, kids I'm playing say, both ways. God, it's such a good game. I had a fantasy football league called like Jack Pardee's Ring of Honor based Shoot. off of his crazy, his crazy past if you ever go down his wikipedia page is it saying unfortunately he has the dubious distinction of being the houston head coach at the time they gave up the 35-3 lead to the bills in the playoffs um <laughs> unfortunately and so he was fired by the the oilers uh, a few years after that texas a&m loves him i, I think he went to a&m i believe a uh, legend in in six-man football and like like houston cougars lore but yeah jack party big time legend I guess the I, the logic with hire with hiring him for six man in Alabama it is from six man is you just double it, so the math is easier. Yeah, that's that's what sense. it is. Uh huh. Same sport basically. Starting quarterback Matt Dunnigan. This is insane to me. I didn't know this when I looked it up. This was his best ever season. He's a CFL Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. His best statistical season was as a Barracuda. Could have gone to Hall of Fame as a Barracuda. I watched his Hall of Fame induction ceremony video they don't mention birmingham once i gotta find if anyone in the cfl hall of fame went in with a with an american team jersey now i I just have to know this okay so attendance was actually decent early in the season this is where i have to remind you guys when the cfl plays their schedule they go from march to november so early in the season you're basically doing the xfl usfl thing now where you got no competition you're the only game in town when you get to september Birmingham yep. is kind of not as Canadian football town. You don't say. They and Memphis, we'll get to later, moved their fall games to Sundays, which the CFL never, ever, 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 ever plays on Sundays except for the Grey Cup because they want to av- they want to avoid competing with the NFL on TV. But I think the bet is better against the NFL than it is against Auburn and Alabama. The bet did not pay off, but I think the logic was sound. It failed so bad. Week 5 against Baltimore, 30,000 in Legion Field. Week 12 against Ottawa, 5,000. <laughs> Not as good. What you're saying Not is good. less. Let's go a little closer to Ryan here. Let's go to Memphis. This is uh, Memphis is my my favorite part about the Memphis story is not only that the Mad Dogs are a great mascot. It's that Memphis like this this was the epitome of we didn't check the numbers, right? No, yeah. Because because what Absolutely. was because what was Memphis's big problem? One of their many big problems was uh, the fact they played in the Liberty Bowl, <laughs> and uh, the Liberty Bowl. Uh, I don't know the last time you've seen a game at the Liberty Bowl. Hard to fit a Canadian football field in there, guys. Hard to fit an yeah. American football. That's a tight stadium, no matter the any way you look. Okay? Very tight. 
And so when you add bigger, longer, wider, faster, harder, whatever it was called, <laughs> you so, end up you end up with the fucking Pentagon end zones again. So the end Not zone just was, the Pentagon end zones. It, it was even worse. So I'm just gonna give you the end zone here. All right. So typically your end zone is 20 yards. In the NFL, it's 10. But they were able to expand the field perfectly, like wider and longer. Perfectly. The only problem is that they had the problem of the end zone. So their end zone, instead of being 20 yards long, it was only seven yards long. And in the corners of those end zones, there were stands that jutted out to the corners of those end zones. So it wasn't necessarily safe. But they could angle back to the back of the end zone, which was only 14 yards. So it was this weird... I don't, uh, is that a trapezoid or a rhombus? I, I have no idea, but <laughs> an, irreg- an irregular, six-sided, yes. irregular hexagon. Oh God, you go. found a picture! I can't believe you found a picture. Yeah, uh, I've been yeah. trying to find Here, a picture let me, of it. Let me share it real fast. It looks like an arena league uh, stadium. Oh, so you may you may notice the discoloration. You may notice the the discoloration there. Um, that's because the natural grass field of Le- of, uh, Liber- of the Liberty Bowl. Did not extend to a Canadian football field. So oh you got natural grass in the center of the field. And then along the perimeter is just a strip oh, I of see it. Holy shit, I see yes. it. So, yeah, so you, I was... <laughs> you have uh, wideouts running on AstroTurf. Then they cut in. They go over a divot onto natural grass. It's all stupid. Holy shit. This looks like when they like put baseball teams, like college baseball teams in football stadiums. And left field is like 500 feet deep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short porch in right field in the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> it's like the splash zone at SeaWorld. What were they thinking? Oh they God. weren't. <laughs> so yeah, Memphis was an absolute shit show. It was great because their end zone was so messed up. They had one of the best defenses in the CFL. I don't I, I don't <laughs> think you can count that. There you can. Great success. Count it. Still counts. Was was this apocryphal or not? I can't remember. Was their was their field actually shorter too? Well, it it the 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 legend is that it's shorter because of the end zones. Okay, it, I for some reason I thought Memphis was one of those like I I heard something that were like the Memphis team literally like the yards weren't full yards. Like to get it in, they had to cut everything down. So like, I may be I may be talking out of my ass here. Is this well, that I mean, thing where like now you get a bottle of orange juice and you're like, this only has 13 ounces now? What's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking shrink we, right there. As far as I can Canadian tell, <laughs> as far as I can tell, the yards were yards. But okay, well, that's good. The, the the legend of the short field is referring to the end zones. I did just want to mention that the ownership group was FedEx, the former USFO owner of the Memphis Showboats, which are now back. Yeah, they um, are. And the estate pour, pour of out, Elvis pour Presley. Pouring out for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And the estate of Elvis Presley. Elvis so that's Presley, like the Memphis, that's the Memphis trio that you could get there. FedEx, a USFO owner from the Showboats, and Elvis Presley. If only it's, the Bass Pro Pyramid existed then. It's like they looked at Toronto's triumvirate and he said, "Oh, you have the three most Toronto things: Wayne Gretzky, John Candy, and a hockey and a hockey exec. We got the most three Memphis things. Let's go to San Antonio, shall we? Guys, we're back. We're going I to love, San Antonio. I love the Dome so much. I, back. I, I, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it one more time. I grew up in deep South Texas. Okay, four hours south of San Antonio. Okay, I'm I'm from the Valley, like Brownsville, McAllen. So. I didn't really have a pro team besides the San Antonio Spurs. Like nothing else existed near me. Going to a game did not exist. 
And so to have football four hours away, only four hours away, felt like this is it. This is the real thing. And we got a real stadium. It's the Alamo Dome. It was built on a super fun site, but don't fucking ask about that. It opened in 93 with this Spurs as the tenant. And y'all, I hope no one here ever went to a San Antonio Spurs game in the fucking Alamo Dome. Because it was like I have, half court and the curtain. And yep, oh there was God. a giant curtain. Yeah, I, I've been to a few of them. But not yeah, built, it, not it was built a mess. for that. You'd think the NBA had learned their lesson, but a couple years later, the Raptors played in the Sky Dome. This thing was built for football and they had no football team. So to get a team, it was, we need this, this Canadian team. And the San Antonio Texans were there. They played on a full Canadian regulation field because they built the Alamo Dome big enough to hold one. That was the beauty of it. Again, fucked up with the marching band. Fucked up with the marching band, but that's only a me problem, not anyone else problem. I get that. That's fine. <laughs> the problem is that stadium is giant. It seats it's like so sixty. It's it's. I mean, we some of us have been there. It's a cavern, and when you only have fifty thousand, I mean, that's why whenever you watch UTSA games, they are super zoomed in because you don't want to see the top tier empty because it takes tons of people to fill it up. And it was, it was fine. San Antonio liked having a football team. San Antonio always likes having a football team. They really want one badly. They just, it was because things just sort of like blew up in the CFL that they lost it. Having a team closer than Houston to me, closer than six hours was like, this is real football. This is it guys. That speaks to my sad, sad childhood. There you go. God, Joey, what did you write about the playoffs? Jesus. I didn't even <laughs> see this part. The 1995 playoffs. Oh he my God. Away. And he walked away. Yeah, okay. no. The, the, playoffs, the playoffs were a mess. Like in the 95 playoffs. Yeah, uh, absolutely a mess. Did he just leave? <laughs> just... I, he just, yeah. He just, he had to go potty or something. Okay, whatever. Oh. Uh, so we'll go to the 1995 playoffs. Uh, San Antonio was actually great that year, 12 and 6. They were the two they were. seed host- hosting the three-seed Birmingham, and the one-seed was hosting uh, – the one-seed Baltimore was hosting four-seed Winnipeg in the South Division, which Winnipeg was in the South, which that didn't really no, make Winnipeg, sense. Winnipeg was, Winnipeg was in the North. That was one of the cross ones they had to do. Yeah. The playoffs there were add. even fucked up too, like this whole so thing. So the reason they did that was because – Oh, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go chase down my rabbit. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, like you did. Uh, <laughs> pet rabbit, great except for podcasting because sometimes – you have to chase a rabbit. So the South had five teams. The North had nine. So <laughs> helps with travel. The thought was, okay, well, the North teams are going to have a lot harder road to the playoffs. So the solution was the South got three berths. The North got five. The fifth North berth became the four in the South. That would have been a great idea, except for the fact that Memphis went nine and nine and sat home and Winnipeg went seven and 11 and went to the playoffs. Love it. Uh, Baltimore beats Winnipeg. Uh, it, you know, again, they had a great season. They almost won the great cup the year before San Antonio and Birmingham really like Birmingham's quarterback went down with an injury and the Texans like just obliterate the Barracudas 52 to nine. What would become the final CFL game in the United States? It was the South division final Baltimore versus San Antonio. It, it was just one of the, one of the amazing games here. It kicks off at the same time, the exact same oh. time as the uh, early slate of NFL's week 11, because this is the time where the CFL and the NFL mix. Uh, That's what you want right there. Anywhere yes. but Baltimore, this would have been a problem. It was not a problem in Baltimore. So I don't know how the San Antonio TV market responded. At this point, CFL was mainly concerned with just getting Baltimore and San Antonio through the season. I want to just note one thing, because this will come back in a little bit. The Houston Oilers at the same exact time as this game 
are kicking off at the, against the Cincinnati Bengals. They would report an attendance of 32,998. Baltimore beat that eight times in their uh, in that season. Their last game in Houston, the Oilers, drew 15,131. Also against the Bengals. The Oilers were still in the playoff hunt. This wasn't a tank team. Baltimore never drew below 27,000 in their history. Memphis drew more than that four times. San Antonio beat it six times. Birmingham beat it five times. Shreveport 11 times. Sacramento 10 times. Las Vegas didn't beat that number. But yeah, no shit. <laughs> the NFL wasn't doing amazing in Houston. Back to the playoffs. I attached the, bo- uh, the box score in our notes here of that game. The first quarter ended with a score of Baltimore 3, San Antonio 1. Love it. Uh, the game ended up being 21-11 to 11 for Baltimore. So Baltimore is going to the Great Cup against Calgary. Calgary, at this time, starting quarterback Doug Flutie. Backup quarterback Jeff Garcia. Their head coach is a CFL legend, maybe the greatest CFL coach of all time, Wally Buono. Baltimore won the Great Cup, folks. Yeah, they did. I think Kamish threw this line in, assuming I'm a fan I, of the Canadian team. I'm not. I'm a Detroit fan, so this doesn't sting me, but this will sting some people watching. Baltimore wins the Grey Cup in 1995. No Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup since 1993. Probably (laughs) worth noting that uh, same night we're recording this, the Maple Leafs have started their playoff run with a 7-3 loss. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. I'm a Pens fan, but it's still funny. (laughs) I will... I'm a Penguins fan. I, I feel the pain. It's all right. For Leafs fans out there, this is called the passion. You will get used to it. <laughs> it's it's amazing that like after all this, after the teams are still doing okay, the NFL basically comes in and takes a blade to the back of the most successful team yes. and goes, "Hey, Baltimore, you like football? Have some Ravens." Well. The, uh, the great, like I say, the Canadian passion is to take credit for every American thing. The line, the party line that we are always told is that the NFL saw what the CFL was doing and thought we can't be having that. And then I assume the rest of them just ran out of money and panicked. Let's much. move on to that. Let's start in Shreveport, where all great stories, where all great endings begin, I'll say. Bernie Gleiberman kind of runs out of people to scam. Like, his, his buck kind of stops. The Pirates are doing fine. They're self-sustaining. But they fold anyway because Bernie's just out of money and he can't sell anything because his finances are tied up. Happens to all of us in Shreveport. Memphis yeah. and Birmingham are bleeding money. The ownership also hate Canadian football. <laughs> they just wanted to, ideal. They just wanted yeah. to own a football team. Yeah. They go to the league with an ultimatum. Change the rules. Change the schedule. We want to play in the spring. And change the name of the league. This offends the Canadian ownership, believe it or not, so much. Change everything. They just fold the teams. <laughs> like, kind of, I just, what kind of leverage did these people think that they had? I know, zero. right? Zero. Fucking zero leverage. There's no leverage here. <laughs> Come and on. Uh, the Shreveport market. Oh, and while this is going on, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens show up. There is a plan. Shreveport is doing fine as a market. The Gliebermans were doing bad. San Antonio is doing fine, even though it doesn't look like it because the Alamodome's so big. And remember Houston? They're an active revolt against the Oilers. The Oilers just announced they're going to move in a couple years. That is the one place where you can go head-to-head with the NFL and have a shot to win because Houston is actively in rebellion. So the plan is we're going to find a local owner for Shreveport. There's interest. Texans are going to stick around. And the Stallions are going to move to Houston. That is the plan. But because of Memphis and Birmingham offending the owner so, the CFL owner so much, they go to Jim Sparrows and go, okay, you have two options. Move to Houston. We'll keep CFL USA alive. You'll have three teams for this year, and we'll just keep it going, see if we can make it happen. Or you can move to Montreal, 
become the new Alouettes. We still have the rights to the name. We got a brand new stadium there, Olympic Stadium. Not brand new, but like it's it's top of the line. With 76, 78, yeah. <laughs> For Canadians, as far as Canadian stadiums go, that and also personal Molson Stadium would be soon built, and that is a better field for Canadian football. And take the history with the caveat that this will kill CFL USA. Shreveport will not come back. San Antonio will be on an island. Sparrows sees the writing on the wall and moves to Montreal. Anderson, the owner of the Texans, actually wants to stick around because he likes the CFL. He's not like the Birmingham and Memphis owners. He's making okay money. Well, he's not making money, but he can see money. Like, there's a chance here. But he's not going to stay in San Antonio. Like, he, he can visit it. money on weekends? <laughs> 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 so anderson he was the owner of sacramento remember in 93 he knows what it's like to be the one lone american team he's not gonna do that again he tries to find uh, a new home london ontario halifax nova scotia saskatoon saskatchewan and quebec city quebec none of them have a stadium so he has to fold the team and he's not too thrilled about it had the browns not moved to baltimore i still believe we would have cfl usa still it would have the story would have been it had a rocky start but baltimore shreveport San Antonio were the rocks and you were able to build a division in this, in the state. I'm glad that this weird thing happened because it got me, it got a lot of people into Canadian football or at least for a moment did. And it provides us with some beautiful nineties branding for all these teams. Cause Holy shit. This is like the most yeah. 90 things. Ever. A bunch of future CFL hall of famers played for American teams. Uh, and it's like the baseball hall of fame where even if you don't go in as a member of the team, it's the list, the team that you played for. So in the CFL hall of fame today, you have, Three Shreveports, one Sacramento, four Baltimores, two Birminghams, three Memphises, and two Vegases, including Anthony Calvillo, who is, like I said, arguably one of the greatest Canadian football players of all time. Didn't do great in there Vegas, was, but he would there go, was a go quote, on to do great in Montreal. There was a quote from Calvillo in the book. He, he said that, I didn't know that, you know, practice fields could be a full-length field because <laughs> he, he practiced. Oh. On the sand in a parking lot. So uh, they made him play in a parking lot on the sun. <laughs> yes, it's Vegas. But there was a quote in the book that just, I mean, he became one of the what the almost I mean, like the greatest player of all time in, in, in Canadian football history, you say, Joey, or what? If not the greatest at the time was compared a lot to Brett Favre, I would say. Anthony Calvillo meant more to Canadian football than Brent Favre meant, meant to American football. Obviously, the Canadian Brett Favre is such a weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would, I would, I would say that was the only reason that was a comparison at the time is because they were both old and and playing at the same time. Calvillo was a lot more of a dynamic player than Favre. How, he was a lot less interception happy. How much volleyball facilities fraud has he done? <laughs> Unclear. Um, well, then, then, then he's not the. Then yeah, then he's fucking. There, there's a great amateur league. There's a great picture of him, though. He took all of his Alouette's equipment and jerseys and helmets and stuff home. And there's a picture of him playing in his, like, Thanksgiving family football game in full gear, <laughs> in full Montreal gear, in Arkansas. Yes! <laughs> yes! And he's, like, in his full Alouette's gear with the helmet, and he's throwing bombs to, like, 12-year-olds. When Uncle strips sack you so hard, he takes your shoulder blade out or something. Yep. Been there, done that. So, yeah, the CFL now... They mentioned Baltimore. They tend not to mention any other teams because it's seen as kind of a failure. I was talking to uh, my dad the other day, and I just I said at the time, like, what was the CFL USA like experiment seen as? Because he's not a football fan, and he he said it is mostly seen at the time. It was like, well, 
the purists are going to hate it. What Canadians mostly believe is that CFL USA failed just because of Americans didn't like three down football because it was too confusing and weird, which sure that's part of the story, but that's not close to all of the story. I think CFL USA could have worked, but there is a timeline out there where this worked and it's a timeline that it's not that hard to see. Oh, this is uh, some like Avengers in game shit where we're going to all going to go back now and try to save the fucking Las Vegas posse. <laughs> Dude, I mean, seriously, if, if the Shreveport pirates were still around right now, God, I I'd definitely have some pirates merch for sure. And Shreveport having a team basically in the independence stadium. And then you just have the independence bowl. I, oh, commi- I can't. Kamish, I'm, yeah. I'm going to make you as much bootleg pirate shit as you want. Again, I don't think he was coming after me. So I'm opening an Etsy shop. We're doing CFL is, America is, shit, that, baby. Is that guy Glenn Lieberman still around? The rights. I don't is he know. still around? Get me. Come is he still around? Hey, uh, if, those, if those Etsy folks can like put Disney shit on things, I guarantee you I can put the Shreveport Pirates logo on something. No one's going to touch me. Kamish, just saying. Kamish, what we're going to do is this, because you and I are the only Pirates fans on this here podcast. From now uh, on, we're just going to claim that all of our Pittsburgh gear is Shreveport yeah. gear, because it's way <laughs> less embarrassing. Uh, are we sure? Hey, I have a Pirates hat. I have just, one Pirates hat. Just differently embarrassed. <laughs> There's a question that seems like it has an obvious answer. Was the CFL USA a failure? Seems like the obvious answer is yes. I'm going to argue no for a second. Okay. And here's here's why. CFL USA had one goal. Keep the CFL alive. In the end, the money they got from expansion revenues, the money ESPN2 kicked in, the money that you got from some interest gaining in states, that, which was minimal compared to the rights deals, the money that they end up getting from the novelty factor of American teams reinvigorating a little bit of interest in Canadian football up here. Uh, and then playing up a little bit of that nationalistic Canada versus USA thing. Yes. There is a pretty accepted school of thought within football uh, circles here that CFL USA saved the CFL. Once you got the expansion checks, you're not on the hook for what, if the team lives or dies. That is true. Yeah. Once you get your 3 yeah. million, you're set. Yeah. So, Give them the money. But but then again, we found out no one had the 3 yeah. million. So they were getting like, you know, 64,000 and, you know, you know, like an Amazon gift card or whatever. The like teams a fucking that actually gift card. paid, from what I can tell, paid in full. So, you didn't get anybody I mean, from like, Orlando, but I think you got a Hooters gift card. You got a Hooters. You got some. You got you got some wings. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find that Hooters. I'm gonna put a plaque there. I swear to God. Right. So I'm marker. Yep. So what I'm hearing is the Barracudas saved Canada. That's what I'm hearing. Shreveport <laughs> saved Canada, like we all knew. Shreveport saved Canada. There it is. There's yeah. the title of the episode. Shreveport saved Canada. Save the CFL, if you want to. Nope, save Canada. No. Okay. And, so, and, and Ryan, I, I, Ryan, I know you're a you know you're a huge CFL head. So uh, who's your team, by the way? Do you, who's your who's your love? How could, I, how could I pick just one? I know. I. How it, could it, I it, it'd be so hard to pick if, to pick a team. I'm a um, but, fan if that helps. I I mean I think the thing that I have always enjoyed. Uh, what has Ottawa decided to do with? the formatting of red blacks like the, i know it's the red blacks right no, no, all caps red blacks, okay. All caps. okay because because i know at various points we've done the b the r and the b are capitalized like i that's my favorite saga in in, in the canadian <laughs> part of the cfl is like how do we spell this word and why how often are we going to change how we feel about I, it so i had to at one point i had to hold one of Jordan's tweets from publication about the CFL 
because I said they will get mad at you if you don't spell red blacks in all caps. <laughs> I tell you, and then we'll, and what we can't have, guys, <laughs> is the cool. Ottawa Red Blacks Twitter account having beef with us. We can't do this. Yeah. Can't do it. I think the, the thing that makes me laugh as well is that where there, there's two Rough Riders, there's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and there no. there is not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. But there right. were two Rough Riders. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, Ottawa and, was the other. And do you know why San Antonio Rough Riders made sense? Because San Antonio is the place where Teddy Roosevelt actually got the Rough Riders together at the bar called the Minger Bar. They had the actual reason to be called the Rough Riders in San Antonio, but they were the ones that couldn't use it because they were Cameron was like, no, four Cameron fucking was like, other there was, Rough Riders. There was three. We couldn't not, afford not a third Rough Rider. Not important. Yeah, it'll make it'll make formatting on the lower third impossible. At, at, hey, it made sense at the time. Ottawa was Rough Riders. Saskatchewan was Rough Riders. What are you going to do? There's no more spaces right. you can add. Right, and then it's like, does this give DMX any creative space whatsoever? <laughs> no, and... no. Well, the Rough Riders anthem would have never been if that would have happened. never have existed. Friends, right. Before we go, I need to give some information about this particular vampire. No one has driven the stake in. A year ago, a year before COVID and then a year ago again, the CFL hosted a combine for Ligue, Ligue de Football Americano, I think, yes. whatever it's pronounced, the Mexican League, to for players to come to Canada. When Randy Ambrosi went to Mexico for the combine, he was approached by six different people, six different Mexican businessmen wanting to start a CFL team in Mexico City. Oh, God. The fire rises. God. At Estadio Azteca, people screaming from behind the cages. Oh, yes. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, oh, man. Someone wow. needs to put this CFL. into a coffin and put the stake through the heart. We Stop never learned. Mexico. We never ever learn. <laughs> Nothing changes. We never learn. Always... Do it again. Brian, oh my God. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and talking CFL. Thank you for having me. I promise to also never change and never learn. That's good. <laughs> as as we all ever should. Oh Canada. Okay. Oh, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> oh Canada. Oh Canada. He did his best. It just was very bad. I don't listen to the I, song. I refuse to believe, so I refuse to believe that's his best. I refuse I, to believe that's his best. Canada. I, just, I just don't oh, believe it. God. You have to splice that in because to. that video is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I lose it every time. <laughs> every time. Well, folks, have a good evening, and we will see you guys on Sunday.